Hey friends, this is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cheekast, episode 41. So I'm on the line with one of my dear friends, Emily Johnson, and we met, Emily, when did we, we met through friends of friends, and then we started to, when I worked downtown, you would bring the kids to downtown Las Vegas and we would meet for like kind of play dates or lunch or something like that. And so that was always so much fun. I look forward to it. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah. So glad to be here. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So Emily, tell everyone who you are in your own words. Yeah. um, Well, I am a I'm married to um, my high school sweetheart, Nate, and he is a um, pastor here in Las Vegas. Um, he is middle school and high school students at a non-denominational Christian church, um, and he, we have been doing that since we got married, and so for about 10 years now, um, and I am a mom of three. I actually have um, a little girl, Cooper, and she is just eight weeks tomorrow, Aww. and um, she is wonderful, and um and we haven't slept in two months. And then I have a four-year-old little boy, Aiden, and a six-year-old girl, Reese. Um, and so pretty much what I'm doing right now is, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the weeds of motherhood. Sure. Um, and so um, that is probably defines a huge part of who I am at this point. Um, I am also, um, I am a huge people person, an extreme extrovert, um, and I love um, all kinds of exercise and um, being outside and just, um, a little bit of trying healthy living. It's so funny when you have an eight week old, you like, you know, I've never, I haven't eaten good in months, but, but, but yeah, so that's a little bit of just who I am at this point in my life. Nice. And you said, so during the pre-call you mentioned social work. So how did you get into social work? And yeah, so I, um, I am like one of those few people that went, I so I went to college out of high school and never changed my major. Social work was it from the very beginning, but what's funny is I went to three different colleges. Okay. Uh, and ended up finishing here in Las Vegas um, at UNLV. Um, and I, um, so my, I, I majored in social work and I, I loved it. And I've never, um, I've always thought I would go back to it. I um, At the time I had done, um, I had done some practicums. Um, and I did some really cool practices. I worked in the prison system here. Wow. Um, so I've been to all the prisons here in Vegas, and, and that was very eye-opening and very fascinating. Um, and did a couple other things. And because my husband's in ministry, at the time, it felt really heavy mm-hmm. um, for us both to be doing um, that kind of work. Um, and so I, I, I never actually ended up getting licensed in social work, um, but my heart's always been for people. And so sure. right out of college, I actually opened a fitness studio um, just a little one-room studio, and I worked with women, um, and it was great because I like still felt like I was working with people, right. I mean, helping people like attain goals or be better, you know, um, better selves. And so, um, so yeah, I love that. Well, one of the things, one of the reasons, I mean, I've always <clears throat> loved spending time with you and connecting, and you had written, I think it was after the election, you had written something about why you marched. And I was just like, you know what? I love this. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You said so just I, love was, and then love wins and yes, the signs. And so I was like, 
I really need to connect with Emily and chat with her and record it. So that's the beauty of what I get to do in my life as a podcaster is like I get to record stories and connect with humanity and hear people's perspectives. Oftentimes people that have similar perspectives as mine, but also people who don't and just have this dialogue. And so I loved how you had been talking with the kids, you know, and Reese asking questions and um, Aiden and, you know, and talking to them in a way that is appropriate given their age, Mm -hmm. but also including them in the process and not, I mean, I feel like in terms of parenting and I'm not yet a parent, but what I see with my nephews and other people's children, it's like kids seem to be more engaged and more a part of the conversation than they had, um, definitely in previous generations. I would say even my generation, we, we were pretty included um, in our home and in what was going on and knew what was going on to an appropriate level of where we were at in life. Um, so can you like kind of walk us through what that looked yeah. like in your home? Yeah. So especially with the March, um, mm-hmm. I, I knew Nate actually was happened to be out of town. And so I knew that if I was going to make the decision, I was eight months pregnant and make the decision to go downtown and take my kids. I need to have a really strong why. Like, why was I doing that that day? Um, and so I had a lot of conversations um, with my kids about um, how we in the Johnson home, we just believe that everyone is equal. Um, and because, um, because for me, and I don't, I don't say this to my kids at this point, because I feel like the church has not done a great job of expressing that we love everyone equally and that everyone is welcome, even though we say that we do it. Have exactly. we shown that we're doing that just historically with the capital C church? And so That's right. I really want our, my children's relationship with the church and with God to look all inclusive. Yeah. And so, um, that's why we talked a lot about like that love wins. And, um, and, and so that's why, you know, I've decided that that was why I really, my reason for marching probably was more for my children, um, than for, you know, for anything else so that they could see that we, that we love everyone and that we don't want to discriminate against anyone. And so um, I really felt like, and I felt like that day, it was, it was like historic for me. I feel like I was a part of something that will be written about in history books. And it was just beautiful. Um, and my kids were a part of that, which was really cool. And, and I didn't like overdo it with them. I didn't like, we got down there and we waited forever. We got down there way too early. And so we ended up marching for like, like five minutes because my kids are like, we wanted to lay on the ground and mm-hmm. which is kind of a funny stage of where I'm at, you know, like I just had to go, okay, well, I want them to like have a good memory of this. So we're going to pick up and get back in the minivan and, you know, be done. Like sure. We held our signs and we, and I got to talk to them about, you know, equality, That's right. which, which is so important. And so, and I, I love what you said about us being included and in, including, you know, young people in our conversations because we have to, I think, in the home because they're going to hear it somewhere. And That's right. so even this week, Reese had my husband's phone. And she was like, she was probably playing a game. Like she was maybe on, we have a kid's YouTube and like mm-hmm. my kids are not old enough to really have to censor that yet. And, um, she flipped, like if you swipe, you know, on most of our phones, you swipe left. My husband has news articles that, you know, that yeah. pop up. And so she saw a child in Syria. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I don't know exactly the image and, you know, I, and I, but it was enough that she came and brought me the phone and said, I just saw something scary. 
Right. Um, and so I got to like have a conversation with her and expand her worldview a little bit, um, that, you know, that there's, you know, a civil war distress, all these things happening across the, across the country, you know, across the world sure. that isn't happening in her own world. Um, and that was a very interesting conversation. And so she has gone to bed most nights this week praying for, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, children, um, that are hurting and, um, and I know that she still doesn't quite understand it, but like, it probably wasn't something I would have introduced into her small mind, but right. because she saw it, um, yeah. to get to have, you know, walk alongside her and have those conversations. Totally. And, um, it was a pretty cool, you know, it was a, it was a cool parenting moment, you know, for, you know, yeah. it being also sad that we have to explain these things to our children. Totally. Yeah. No. And you know what? And, and that's what builds compassion and empathy at a younger mm-hmm. age, right? Because when we are exposed to that, our world isn't just so perfect. And I agree with you. I don't think that the church has done enough. Um, in fact, it has probably led to the disillusionment of a lot of church people, people mm, that yes. have enjoyed church uh, historically in their lives. And I mean, I'm one of those people and it's not been as am I, right? Yes. It's not been um, something that we've kept quiet. Um, as much as I, I support a lot of the intent behind some of church, some of the church's actions, I cannot ignore the impact of some of the church's actions, you know, or lack of action, right? In action, you know, I was talking to John uh, Pavlovitz and on another episode of this podcast and He's just so amazing, and he's yes, kind he of is. known, right, as the pastor of the resistance. And I started to read some of his work, and one of them was, like, talking to the church about you're not really pro-life, you're pro-birth. And that was the first piece that I read from his, and I'll send it over to you because I'm sure you will enjoy it as well, where it literally brought tears to my eyes because I thought, this is what I've been thinking for so long, you know, <clears throat> because when someone is born, like, you have a beautiful little girl, you know, that just came into you all's world in terms of you can see her and touch her and hold her, right? Even Mm, though she's been a part of your world for almost a year, (laughs) you know, Um, and um, has been very connected to you for that length of time, right? And so, but if she looked different, right, or had, you know, we don't really know who she fully is going to become. But if she becomes someone who is different than, right, what is considered, and I'm putting it in air air quotes, the norm, then it leads to your point of inclusion, you know, and lack of inclusion. And so, um, you know. Well, and a huge huge part of our story, Mm -hmm. um, and I always try to like, I don't, um, I always try not to, I don't want to tell his story for totally. him, uh, yeah. but, but my, my older brother is, um, gay and, mm-hmm. and he came out when I was in high school, um, at, and we, I'm from Kentucky and so, um, I'm obviously the twang. Um, and so I, I grew love up the your Bible. twang by the way. Uh, no. I love it. Um, I grew up in the Bible Belt and so I, and we went to a Christian school, a Christian all the way through, um, and and he came out when he was in high school at this Christian school. And so our story is very much, and, and I'm dating my husband at the time. And sure. So our Christian walk, our 
walk with the church. My husband always felt like he would probably be a pastor. Um, so our walk is very intertwined with my brother, Fred's, um, and his, his journey um, in the gay lifestyle and with the church. And it's been a really sad journey for him. Yeah. The the church part of it. Yeah. Um, and so that has really shaped who we are and what we do and how we love and how we view our ministry and, and how we ended up in Vegas. Yeah. That's, so. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I um, on the pre-call, I suggested several podcasts to you. And one is, one is the Robcast, and it's Rob Bell, who is a previous pastor here in Michigan, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. He's in California. And, um, I'm, I actually pre-ordered his book. I think it's like, what is the Bible? Cause I really want to have a new experience, um, there, but, uh, the liturgist podcast, I think you would really like because, uh, science Mike, he goes by science Mike. It's Michael, um, McCurgy and, um, Michael Gunger or Mike is the other one, science Mike. And so, um, they have a podcast and so, they did one called Women, and they talked to Austin Channing um, Tatum, I think. No, I'm messing all of her names. I'm missing the names. Uh, I know. <laughs> Austin Channing Brown, I think. Um, and then also um, Reverend Sarah Heath and just about being a woman, right, in the church in particular. So, yeah, Austin Channing Brown. So then um, they did one called Black and White. So they were all around each other. So they did one called Black and White that you would love. It was so well done. Um, Two black men, two white men, and just kind of talked about racism in the U.S. uh, Mm -hmm. and the church, right? And then they did one called LGBTQ and Emily. That broke my heart and split it wide open at the same time. Oh, I'm sure. I was in tears during the entire thing because I, and it, and these are people that are in the church, right? And what the Mm -hmm. church has done. And so, and people who are like in ministry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I just was like, for me, I wasn't doing enough. Like I wasn't using my straight privilege, I guess, enough. Yeah, um, to yeah. speak up and speak out, and and that was just a lesson to me that I well, and that's a huge prayer. Of, that's a huge prayer. Of my husband's and I, we um we went and um met with our elders this year, and um just to just to give our heart on that community. Mm-hmm. Um, and our elders had, and we feel so grateful. We have so much gratitude that we can be part of a non denominational Christian church, which yeah. is like you know can have a conservative feel to it and, um, and have a lot of support in what we believe in, like, and the love that we can show to people. Yes. Um, they, we really wanted to start a small group where we welcomed LGBTQ people that attend our church, the crossing into our home. Um, and, and we do have some that are active members, but sadly what we came across was Mm -hmm. we just don't have a lot or at least not a lot that are actively involved that are seeking small groups because I think the church has not made that a welcome mat. And so, you know, I believe the crossing being the size it is, has plenty of people there on Sundays, but they're not, they're not seeking community from the church because we've not ever given them community there. It's so true. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. so right. And, um, and that's why another podcast I was telling you about is my, uh, 
one of my best friends, Stephanie Morris, has one called Love Activist. And on her first, you would like her because she's sweet and sassy like you and I are. And so on her <laughs> first episode, she was talking about um, LGBTQ uh, community, right? And <clears throat> marginalized folks. And so she would just say, if this has nothing to do with you, meaning kind of this idea, John talks about it in the podcast as well. And so I was, I was talking to someone that I'm getting to know and I was like, well, we do this thing in the church. Sometimes it's called Christianese and it's super obnoxious, right? It's like, (laughs) I'll be praying for you, but not intentional prayer with action. Right. Mm, Yes. Right. It's just like, oh, I'll just be praying for you, you know? But then we also do this thing called the Lord told me to tell you, or the Lord put this on my heart. And it's like, BS. I'm gonna call BS because I don't <laughs> believe that the divine will tell me something about you, Emily, without yeah. telling you. Right? Um, yeah. Now I think that I can be used as a vessel to confirm something. Um, I don't think that the message will come to me to give to someone else. I really don't believe that. I don't buy that at all. I think that's just a way for people to have power and control over other people or attempt to. Right? And so, yeah. It's like, um, so Steph was like, no, you need to back it up. And I was like, so true. Yes. Like when people are talking about gay people, for example, I'm like, okay, so tell me how this really has an impact on your life. I'll wait, you know, cause it doesn't, right? The answer is always going to be, it doesn't tell me why, you know, and this was what we talked about with interracial dating not too long ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Right. Yes, um, yes. Sadly, right? And that's embarrassing yeah. um, that two people <laughs> that have different color or different levels of melanin in their skin, it's a problem for them to love one another and to, mm-hmm. to marry, right? Um, so, right. Yeah, no, I love what you said about inclusion and the welcome mat and um, kind of how we can all do a better job within and without the church to be more inclusive and more welcoming to people because it amounts to safe spaces. Like that's one of the episodes that I did on the podcast, actually several about creating that safe space. Like I know that if I'm struggling with something, I have people that I can talk to that are not going to judge me and judge my choices. Right. And they will say, okay, well, have you considered this? Why don't you do a pro and cons list? Or why don't you sit still and meditate and pray about this? Or why don't you speak with Emily, for example, because she has a similar experience, right? Um, mm. it's not- yeah, and that's why that's why I like felt like when you asked me to come on here, I don't, I'm not sure what you know what I have to offer at this point in my life, and I, but I do have a story, and I believe that like that is a huge like that's right how God has shaped things in my life over the years has, has made me who I am and and really shaped like what I believe and why I believe it and that and that goes for my husband as well and so um and that really I think has come I think for a lot of us progressive Christians is yeah. what I my husband always tell me not to call myself a liberal um <laughs> that I'm progressive in my thoughts and That's my right. actions and um and I think a lot of that has come to light in you know 2016 2017 oh, girl, you know, totally um, and like kind of where, where we are and why we, you know, why we voted the way we voted, why we believe in what we believe, why we marched if we marched, you know, mm-hmm. and all these things because, you know, just the, the, the feels of our country right now. Yeah. No, yeah. it's totally true. And 
and we'll switch gears shortly, but like one of my friends whom I don't agree with on this, um, she had posted on social media about why she didn't march. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of very, uh, it seemed very passive aggressive and antagonistic at the same time. Like it was just kind of like, we have an identity in Christ, right? That is not up for debate. Nobody, no. No. I don't, I wasn't confused about that. I didn't march personally because I had pneumonia and laryngitis at the time. <laughs> so I had just started getting treatment for that. So I wasn't going anywhere. And plus it would just not have been right to put myself um, in, in that close of quarters with people where they could get sick. Yeah, um, we're, we're, I was eight months pregnant. We're grateful you oh didn't march Oh my God, girl. <laughs> You know, it was just, and it, it, and the idea was like, I, I love the idea and I would have had I not been sick, but just the thought of it at that time was so, I marched in spirit is what I tell people, but I was uh-huh. so, I mean, I lost that week. I lost like eight pounds. I was so sick. I hadn't been that sick in a really Ooh. long time. Um, yeah. So, um, what they had posted was just kind of like about identity like faith identity and perspective Mm -hmm. but it just for me didn't ring true because I was like okay but this is so much bigger than that like insofar as if I believe me personally Chidima I'm not speaking for anyone else if I believe in what Christ did when Christ walked the earth and and what I have seen people that Christ resides within in terms of a spiritual sense and a spiritual compass are doing, then I cannot sit back on my laurels and just take it all in. I can't afford Mm -hmm. to do that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And at this point it is very clear, right? Like, like some people said that they voted for the current administration because of the business. For me, I cannot separate the two. Like I cannot, separate the business from sexual assault and supporting that or the business from, right? Like I just can't because if I support survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault, and I believe them when they say that they've been sexually assaulted, or I believe someone they, when they say that they're gay or when I believe someone, when they say that they have been mistreated because of the color of their skin, this administration does not, from what I see, and it's just from what I see, and I recognize that I have blind spots, it doesn't seem like it cares about the people that I care about. And Agreed. so because of that, I need to do my part. What little privilege I have, I need to stand on that and do what I can for the people that don't enjoy privilege in those areas, right? So that I hope that people are doing the same thing for me, right? Um, well, yes. I, what I said through this whole thing is, I nothing's going to affect me personally, but I don't vote for me personally. I'm a white, middle-class Christian yep. woman. So, I mean, I guess my some women rights could be affected. Mm-hmm. But, like, really, because of my, my race and my mm-hmm. religion and my social economic status, I, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, I have privileges in this world that I shouldn't, but I do. Right. And so, but I don't vote for myself. I vote for those that I, you know, yeah. I vote for marginalized people. Yeah. And that's been a word that we have used a ton in our home and trying to, we, we did a prayer chain for the 40 days of Lent. We wrote 40 prayers on these little pieces of, you know, colored 
you know, cardstock and hung them in our kitchen. And every day our kids have picked a card, you know, thing to pray for. And we pray for Donald Trump and we mm-hmm. pray for his administration. And, mm-hmm. But one of our things was praying for the marginalized and yeah. trying to explain that to my four and six year old is comical, but like, my daughter had a little boy in her class that moved here for kindergarten and didn't speak a lick of English. And yeah. so we were like, you know, we got to say to her that he's marginalized in this society in your yeah. class. He's had a disadvantage and mm-hmm. he, and he needs our prayers and he needs our love and he needs our support. And that's, you know, so we've gotten to teach them that through that and through this time of like, you know, I've had, I have a friend that is living in Mexico right now because of, because of the mindset of the country right now, she got, she was here legally, but she got deported because she said the wrong thing at an airport. You know, and I have my, my, one of my brother's best friends, they rushed and got married mm-hmm. because they live in the state of Kentucky and they are terrified. They've been together 10 years yep. and they had, they were waiting to get married because they wanted to do it on their anniversary of their first date. And they, it was in the spring and they were terrified when this, you know, when President Trump got elected that, that they would not have those rights before they waited in the state of Kentucky till spring. They meant, you know, they were scared. They wouldn't have that right anymore. Yeah. And to me that, that that's so heartbreaking. Like, yeah, you know, they've had to live in fear. Yep. It is. It's yeah. It's, it's so sad to me um, that people don't always see it this way. It really is because I just don't understand. Like people are people and I have to believe that we all have a story. Mm-hmm. Even, even Trump has a story. Like, I don't, I understand. For me, what I it looks like is like a scared person that has all the privilege and really doesn't know what he's doing, right? But doesn't have <laughs> the humility to ask questions. <laughs> because no yeah. one's been as not racist as him, as not sexist as him. Like, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Um, that said... I have to do what I have to do, right? Just like you were talking. And um, yeah, it's absolutely imperative that we band together and we walk shoulder to shoulder and we do the work. Because like one thing that John wrote, um, he said, Christian, stop saying it's all going to be okay because God's in control. Don't say that. He said, it's not because it's factually incorrect. It's because we're going to make it okay because we're Mm -hmm. doing something about it, right? We're not just yeah. going to leave it to the divine and just like, oh, well, this is where we're at. So, da 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 you know, no, we're going to do what we need to do so that there is equality for all. Like my friends have, um, they have a monthly bonfire and we went yesterday and um, they have in their yard sign. It's one of those things that it says, like in our home, you know, uh, love wins, black lives matter, immigrants are welcome, like all of these things that you know, it sounds like in the Johnson home yes, and in my home, you know, are important. Like, cause this is the fabric of our country. Really. I think the better part of us is that we do believe these things, you know, foundationally. And we're just having a hard time right now. We're having a hard time expressing it and actually coming alongside one another in this. Um, but I have hope, you know, that's what our book club is called, Hope Rising, you know, and that's a hashtag I started after the election. I was like, okay, we can't fall apart now. You know, this is yeah. where we actually have to do the work. Um, well, and I think about, I've not always believed everything I believe today. Totally. Like I'm, I'm ever changing and I'm ever evolving. And I, um, and I, I recently, I wrote a little post on my Instagram. Um, um, I love Glennon Doyle Milton, love her. Um, and I... 
I literally read her post in the morning, one morning, on Sunday morning, and her daughter had, like, kind of a silly outfit on and was, like, headed to church, and she said something like, we go as, you know, we come as we are to church, and we don't, you know, God doesn't care, and we, something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm bathing my daughter, and I'm from the Bible Belt, and we're Southern, and uh, I'm bathing my daughter that morning, and she has, she's going to go, she just started soccer, and she's going to go play soccer with some friends after church, and so she says, Mom, can I wear my soccer clothes to church so I don't have to change later? And I said, no, we don't wear soccer clothes to church. And then I went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, literally all in the same. Like, and I was kind of harsh about it, too. Like, I wasn't even, like, I wasn't really, like, I don't know why. Like, I was, like, offended. I was offended that my daughter wanted to wear her shorts sure. to church. And I was, like, literally in, like, the second later, I went, oh, my goodness, yes. Yes, you can wear whatever you want to church. Like, That's I don't. Because it, it's something innate in me that, like, thinks that I have to show up and be something you know, different than just who I am. Um, and I think I was, that was taught to me and not my, I have parents that are very loving and accepting. And, um, something we've talked a lot about is my very manly father, you know, goes and has a drink with my brother at a gay bar quite regularly. I love that. Um, and, and my, you know, my Christ following father, you know, and he, um, because he loves, he loves my brother and he loves his friends and he, you know, then he's just met him where he's at. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so what, something we've always said is we really, truly believe my, um, that, well, I say we because I always speak for my husband, which I'm sure he loves, um, <laughs> but um, we believe that like if Jesus was here today, like, if he was walking in Las Vegas, we believe that he would be sitting at a gay bar having a beer. That's right. Uh, and so we just don't, we don't, we think that somehow that, that got missed, you know, <laughs> somehow. Well, yes. It's like if I say that I have had a shift in my perspective because of the divine, then I need to be different. I need yeah. to be different, right? One of the things Steph wrote, um, said on her podcast, one of the, I think episode five, but she said, if the, if the you of today, if no, if the you of 10 years ago doesn't think the you today is a heretic, like is a heretic and completely, <laughs> right? then you haven't grown. Like, then what's the difference? Yeah. And I know that 10 years ago, I don't, be- what I believe today is not what I believed 10 years ago. Not at all. It's not yes. even what I believed maybe even five years ago, you know? Um, yeah. I've had an opportunity to grow and some people call it deconstruction. Some people call it just transformation. Some, Whatever you call it, please move forward, you know? Um, and there are certain things that are core, 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 soul, core, deep that don't shift, but I think it's a beautiful thing, like, and maybe your personality or whatever, but I think that if more often than not things shift, that is a beautiful thing because it means you are growing. Because if I'm staying still, I'm slowly dying, right? Um, and I feel yeah. like that with um, with my recovery with the eating disorder, you know? It was probably three years ago today, uh, three years ago um, in January 2014, that I started this challenge and it was through this challenge, this 12 week challenge, like food and fitness that I started to heal in that arena. And so I know that that's part of your story and, um, yes, I wanted yes. to have us touch on this just a little bit. Cause I know we're going to probably have to wrap up soon, but we'll, we'll definitely have to have another conversation on the podcast. Yeah. So just like the shorter it for me is yeah. about a little bit of my like, spiritual malady and my mm-hmm. um, views on the church and my and married to a pastor um, and I, we got married at 21 and so I was really young too and so 
I actually, I took my first drink. Well, first I got, I guess my first drunk was at 21 mm-hmm. in a gay bar. Um, as my husband's literally like starting his first job at a church. Um, and I, um, continued this, un, like this unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Sure. Um, but like, not like anything out of control. Um, like I was like, you know, up at 8am in the mornings running and being at church at night. And then like, you know, a couple, every couple of months was like drinking with my brother and having fun and loving what I would say at the time was I'm loving on this, this group of people that has not been loved on by the church. Sure. Um, and so, um, but I, you know, after having two kids, um, I woke up and found myself one day where I had lost all control over um, my consumption of alcohol. And so, um, and there's so much more to that, obviously, that there's a lot of darkness sure. there. And, um, but what, I, what was amazing to myself was I have been a follower of Christ my entire life. Um, and I could not get sober on that alone. And by, I tried to Beth Moore out. Like I tried to do all, I did so many Beth Moore studies in the last six months of my drinking. Um, I tried to like, you know, I tried to exercise it out. I tried to like, I really tried to use anything that I had in my own power and what I thought was the power of God to, to get sober. Um, and so I luckily found a program that worked for me. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I, and I'm actively involved in a recovery scene and, um, and I'm very, very grateful for that. And, um, so I've been sober for almost two and a half years. Um, I love that. Congratulations. Such a big thank deal. You. Yes, yes, and so I am so, like, internally grateful because in these recovery rooms that I have been in for the last two and a half years, I have seen more of God than mm-hmm. than I had ever seen sure. before, um, and so it has been, even though I'm still very active in my church and I love my church, um, I, I have um, found myself just seeing how big our God is, you know, in these, in these rooms, and so... Um, and like you said, I, it has evolved me into being, like, you know, I thought I understood what grace was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I understood, you know, um, just, you know, exactly um, what my faith looked like. And all these things I thought I, I had a grasp on, like a leg up on almost than everyone else. Sure. Um, and then, you know, that has been totally changed and um, over the last two years, um, which, you know, is, is a wonderful it was painful, but it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it goes back to what we were talking about, change. Like, anything worth having is going to take some work or some effort. Yes. I know some people don't like the word work, and some people look at it as negative, but it's going to take some effort, right? Because how could it not? I can't yeah. imagine. I mean, I paid off a significant amount of debt off of, that has been hanging out on my credit report a couple weeks ago, and it felt so good to do mm-hmm. right because I'm like oh freedom more freedom like fiscal yes. freedom like that's what I want financial freedom but I had to compromise or sacrifice right because those thousands of dollars that I put into that I could have bought a Louis Vuitton handbag or I could have bought a new pair of shoes or I could have bought like or I could have just sat on it and kept it in savings but like that is not that wasn't the best use of the, the money, right? And so it to your point about recovery and sobriety, it's like you put in some effort and yes. look at your life. Like Cooper gets to have and Aiden and Reese, you know, a sober yes, and mom. Yes, and I'm right? so, I always say that I'm very – I like the mom that I am today, sure. and I don't like the mom I was two years ago. You know, mm-hmm. and I have, I have sobriety to, to you know – for you know to be thankful for yeah. because of that and so 
Yeah, and I think what's huge for me, and just talking about a little bit, like, of everything that we talked about, yeah. was an identity of mine in the church mm-hmm. was I was going to be this cool pastor's wife. I was yeah. going to be something. Cause, so we were living in Vegas, and then we went back home to Kentucky, and we're at a church there for three years, and that's mm-hmm. when I, my drinking took off. And, and we came back to Vegas, and Vegas, ironically, is where I got sober. But And I felt like I was going to be this person in the Bible Belt that loved on gays, and mm-hmm. I was going to be the person, when you walked into my home, I offered you a glass of wine, and I, um, I'm just different than what I thought the church's views was, Yeah, and so interesting, because that obviously, when I, when I realized that I can't drink like a normal person, um, and that, that identity was like stripped away from me, I felt like I couldn't be, I wasn't going to get to be this cool pastor's wife anymore, yeah. like this is, this was taken from me, and so that was a lot to recover from for me, and it's so interesting to see, like, God working that in my own life, like, um, to find a new identity in him, but mm-hmm. also, like, that I still get to be, I may not be cool with my three kids, but I still get to be this pastor's wife that, that when you walk into my home, you feel loved and accepted, and, um, yeah. you know, there's still, there's still what, what, what was behind that glass of wine, yeah. I still get to do. That's right. Yeah, no, it's, it's so good, and, and you're right, it, it goes back to, so, recovery whether it's sobriety, whether it's um, being clean, whether it's um, from food, mm. all of it is like you get a new identity, you know, and yes. that is similar to faith. I just wish sometimes the identity would take in the way that it has with these other arenas because it's like, you know, we get to change for the better. We have an opportunity. If you're still alive, you still have a chance. I have interviewed several people because substance use disorder, alcoholism, addiction, and eliminating the stigma is really important to me so that people mm. can be free and open um, because mm. our stories help other people. You know, there is something powerful in me too. So if you share your story, someone will listen to this and say, oh my goodness, I thought I was the only one. And they find out that they weren't. They're not the only one, right? And so, you know, it is important to talk about this and um, and to change, you know, and to grow and to recognize that sometimes we falter, but we keep if we keep moving forward, we have a chance. Um, I had interviewed a friend and then I'm gonna, we'll probably have to wrap up, but I interviewed a friend and she said, if people are dead and she's talking about from opioid addiction in particular, um, they can't recover, you know? So Mm. helping people get to that point where they are able to recover and then talking about it at that point is better Mm -hmm. than us questioning and trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, people need to be breathing to be able to change their lives. Right. So let's Mm -hmm. make sure that they're alive. Um, And then we can talk about, you know, the other stuff. And so it all comes back to, like, we get to speak up and speak out for one another um, or create a safe space so that people can not only survive but thrive in their lives. So I'm so glad you agreed to come on. Um, Yes, thanks for having me. You're back on mommy duty. I know that it doesn't – you're not – you're not technically off duty right now, but you were able to get a quick, I got to escape for a little bit. Little break, exactly. So, um, so yeah, we'll definitely talk again. And um, all right, I'm gonna just get a couple of stories today. So this guy is on the streets of New York wearing a trench coat, 
And he says, if someone, if everyone in the room believes the same thing, I get worried. And I, I get that. So, um, and then let's see one more that I haven't read ever. So, um, Oh, there's a cute little girl, and she said, it says, today in microfashion. Oh, and then two people, and it says, friends, dating, question mark, and it said, they said, bros. And um, then a guy, so it looks like a mother and son, actually, and he says, she's really hungover right now, and she says it's true. So that's kind of funny, because um, she's, like, older. Um and then, let's see. Okay. I had really hippie alternative parents. They pulled me out of middle school because they didn't think it was fulfilling me creatively. And we drove across the country in an RV. You can't just not go to school, can you? And she says, actually, you kind of can. So, there you have it, girl. That might be, <laughs> awesome. that'd be, that might be the next chapter of y'all's life. Johnson's go on the road or something. <laughs> <laughs> in a small RV. In a small RV. One of my yeah. friends with a set of twins, she has three girls and one is a set of twins. They actually have been RVing around. So you never know. That might be the next place I catch you is in an RV. Hey, we evolve, so maybe. Exactly. <laughs> right, totally. All right, so I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, there is only one of us. So friends, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Emily, again for being on the podcast. Um, yes, thank you. My pleasure. I appreciate the love and support. Write a review if you feel compelled to. And tell a friend about the Type A Hippie podcast, SheCast, episode 41, and all the others. Until next time, stay grateful. Namaste.